Well, take your Bibles, your electronic devices, your phones, whatever you may uh, be using this morning, and join me over in Exodus chapter 20. We've now come to the ninth of the Ten Commandments. So next week we will be finishing up this series on the Ten Commandments. I'll give you a moment to get there, and then I'm going to invite you, as we have been doing each uh, week as we work through the Ten Commandments, to say the Ten Commandments together as a congregation. So if we have them up on the screen, let's read them together. Do not worship any other gods. Do not make idols. Do not misuse the name of the Lord. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Honor your father and your mother. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false witness. Do not covet. May the Lord bless the reading of his commands for us. Well, we've all heard the little saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie. It it, it is not true that words will not hurt us. There are times when we would rather have a bone broken than to hear the words that we hear. Some of you have grown up in homes where there was a verbal abuse within those homes. And you're still dealing with the hurt that came from those words. Some of you are in marriages where one spouse is verbally abusive and you're dealing with that hurt on a daily basis. Some of you, it's not been in the realm of your family, but it's been other individuals. It could be in the workplace. It could be in your family. It could be out in the world where people have lied about you or lied to you. And it hurts. And it hurts deeply. In the Ten Commandments, God has given one of those Ten Commandments to deal with the issue of truth-telling. Exodus 20.16 says, You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You're not to do it. So what does it refer to? As we've looked at the Ten Commandments, we've said each time we need to understand exactly what the commandment is saying and what it means. So what does it refer to when it says you are not to bear false witness against your neighbor? Well, first of all, the primary meaning of the word that is used there is lying in a legal setting that leads to a conviction. That's the primary meaning 
in this passage, that you would tell a lie in a legal type of setting that would cause someone else to be convicted of something. The word that's used here is a word that means false, to deal deceitfully. It means to lie and to lie without cause and in general describe words or activities that are false in the sense of being said without any basis in fact or in reality. That's what it means, to give a false testimony against someone else in a legal type of setting. But it expands beyond that because it also means lying about someone or something in any setting. Well, that expands it a little bit, doesn't it? You know, we have many politicians these days in both parties. Let's be clear, in both parties who will come out before the crowds and they will say things. And then later, when they're in a courtroom where they are held accountable for what they might say, say something entirely different. They are motivated by personal gain. And that's another meaning of the word here, to lie so that you benefit from it. You know, I I fear that in this day, in our politics now, in this country, it's all about what can I gain for our politicians. What advantage can I get over my opponent? What can I say, whether it is true or not, to mislead the public? That's a violation of this command in Scripture. Someone who bears false witness about someone else for personal gain, uh, the word translated neighbor, not to bear false witness against your neighbor, can that word is used throughout the Old Testament to refer to an associate, a brother, a companion, a friend, a husband, a lover, or a neighbor. In brief, what we are commanded to do in this passage is to be truthful in all things at all times, and especially when we're talking about another person. That's what it means to not bear false witness against our neighbor. It also includes slander, telling lies about someone. Leviticus 19.16 tells us this, you shall not go around as a slanderer among your people and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. So it talks about slander. That's a violation of this command. Spreading rumors is a violation 
of this command. Exodus 23, 1. You shall not spread a false report. You shall not join hands with a wicked man to be a malicious witness. Not spreading a false reports. How often do we pass something on without ever checking to make sure that what we're saying is truthful? That is something that's incumbent upon us. That we should not be sharing stories that we do not know to be true. So we shouldn't spread rumors. And here was an interesting thing as I was studying the passage that I didn't know, that I was enlightened this week. See, I hope you understand that each week as I'm preaching God's Word, I'm learning as I'm going along as well. And any message I preach to you on Sunday morning, I've already preached to myself. But here was something I didn't know would be covered in this command as well. Being silent when you know the truth. In Leviticus chapter 5 and verse 1, we're told this. If anyone sins because they do not speak up, when they hear a public charge to testify regarding something they have seen or learned about, they will be held responsible. So it's inappropriate to keep silence. When someone utters something that is false and you are there and you know that what they're saying is false, you break this command if you don't speak up. Now, in our culture today, especially among our youth, the worst thing you could ever do would be to rat on somebody. You know, as, you know there, there are times when you're trying to get to the bottom of something and you're discussing something and you need some, some information about what happened and who did what. Uh, well, I, I just can't say. Just can't tell you. Well, what, what do you mean you just can't tell me? Well, they probably won't like me if I tell you this. Or they will be out to get me. I'm afraid of them if I rat on them. And that's the word that they use. Right. So worst thing you can, can do is rat out somebody else. But when you know the truth and a lie is going around and you are silent, you're breaking this command. Well, I want you to know, maybe at this point, as you hear all the things this might mean and how it might apply to you, there's some areas you might feel a little bit convicted. Yeah. And there may be some times in your life that you think, well, maybe, maybe I... Well, lying is shown in many forms in the Scripture. It, has, it is something that has been struggled with since the very beginning. 
Uh, let's look at some of the lying and how it's been shown in the Scripture. We go all the way back to the garden and the serpent. He's having a conversation with Eve, and he's inviting her to take of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Eve says, we're not allowed to eat of that because in the day that we eat of it, and we're not even allowed to touch it because in the day that we do that, we will die. And what's the serpent say? You will not die. He lied. We don't go very far. We just go to Adam and Eve's kids, Cain and Abel. And Cain becomes jealous because Abel's sacrifice is accepted because he did it God's way. And God rejected Cain's sacrifice because he did it his own way. And what happened? You know the story. Cain killed his brother Abel. And so God comes along and says, hey, where's your brother Abel? I don't know, Cain said. Am I my brother's keeper? He lied. We move on down in the history of Scripture. We come to the, the great patriarch Abraham. Certainly a man of God. Not once, but twice when he traveled and went to a different place, he lied about his wife, Sarah. He said, she's my sister, because he was afraid, afraid that they were going to kill her because Sarah was so good-looking that he was afraid these kings were going to want to take her as their wife. So she's my sister. See, there is a disadvantage to having a very good-looking wife. Abraham found that out. But he lied on truth. He lied to Pharaoh. He lied to Abimelech. Well, then we have Sarah herself. There's a time when the angel of the Lord comes and he visits with Abraham and he tells Abraham, Abraham now is very old, so is Sarah. She's past the time of childbearing. And the angel of the Lord tells Abraham, Sarah is going to have a baby. And what does Sarah do? She laughs. Oh, this, is, this isn't possible. She laughs. So the angel of the Lord says, why did Sarah laugh? Sarah, why'd you laugh? You know what she said? I didn't laugh. I didn't laugh. She lied about it. Now, I know that as husbands, a lot of us have uh, kind of done the same thing. That we, I can remember, okay, I'm going to be pretty open and transparent here. One of the things in the past, and I'm really working on this, has been that when I will go out to dinner with Barb and we're in a restaurant that has all the sports games around, and my eyes are drawn to what's going on there. So on one occasion, Barb was talking to me. I was checking out a great play that just occurred there. 
And she suddenly became silent. And I thought, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. She said, did you come to watch the game or did you come to talk to me? And I said, oh, dear, I'm listening to you. And she said, really? What did I just say to you? Cut. (laughs) But the response is to lie. Oh, I'm listening. No, I wasn't. I was watching the play in the game. Sarah's son, Isaac, repeats the same sin of his father Abraham and lies about his wife in telling, as he goes into a city, another Abimelech and says, oh, she's my sister. Until one day Abimelech is looking out the window and he sees Isaac kissing his wife, and he said, she's not his sister. (laughs) Brothers don't kiss sisters like that. Then we have Jacob. He lied to Isaac. Remember, it's time for the blessing, the blessing to be given. And Isaac had told his older son Esau, go out, get some game, bring it back. And Jacob's mother helped him devise a scheme where he would go and deceive his father Isaac. He lied to his father to get the blessing. Of course, then Jacob, his brother is so upset with him, he wants to kill him, he has to leave town in a hurry And he goes back to where uh, his mother's family was, and he starts to live there with his uncle Laban, and they make an agreement that he will work for seven years for his daughter Rachel. And so he does. He works for seven years, and that night Laban played the old switcheroo on him. He gave his older daughter, Leah, to him without Jacob being aware. And I've often wondered, how could that be? I I, I rail. I've wondered that. But it was dark at night, and probably, this is just Butch's conjecture, Jacob probably had a little bit too much to drink that night. but he was lied to. Laban kept changing Jacob's wages over and over again, lying to him again and again. Then we have Rachel, Laban's daughter. When finally Jacob has had enough and he decides to go back to his land and he's sneaking away, his wife Rachel takes her father's gods and puts them in her saddle bag. And so Laban comes, catches up. He's looking for his gods. He knows that somebody has taken them. And so Jacob said, search everything I have. No one has your gods. 
But Rachel sat upon her saddlebag and said to the men doing the searching, please don't make me uh, get up. I'm in that time of the, the month. And they said, okay, because that's where the gods were hidden. She lied. Then we have Jacob's sons lying to Jacob. His favorite son, Joseph. His brothers weren't exactly fans of Joseph. So as a result, they sell Joseph into slavery one day, but take his coat of many colors that was a gift from his father, dip it in blood, and take it to their father and say, we found this. We don't know what happened to your favorite there. They lied. A lie that went on year after year after year until eventually God revealed the truth. So Jacob, I'm sorry, so Joseph ends up being sold as a slave into Egypt and a man buys him by the name of Potiphar. And Joseph just rises in Potiphar's house until he's his number one servant. And Potiphar's wife decided she would like to have a sexual relationship with Joseph. But he refused. And as a result, she lied and accused him of trying to rape her. We have later on in Israel's history the story of Delilah and Samson, that Delilah lies over and over again until this, to this strong man, and Samson lies to her over and over again. You know, relationships that are built on lies don't normally last. And this one ended with Samson's eyes being put out. We have Rahab, when the children of Israel were entering the promised land, the spies came into her house. Rahab the prostitute hid them upstairs. And when the, the officials of the city came to her and said, are the spies here? She said, no, I saw them leaving. She lied about it. Now, I know some of you are wondering, did Rahab do the right thing or did she do the wrong thing? That's a discussion for another day. We're just going to deal with this morning, the fact that she lied. We have King Saul promises David that he could marry, Saul said, my oldest daughter. And then he reneged on the promise. You have Gehazi, who was a servant of Elisha. A man by the name of Naaman from Syria came because he had leprosy. And he heard that Elisha could work miracles. And Elisha told him, go out and dip your yourself seven times in the Jordan River and you will be cleansed. And after he was cleansed, he comes to Elisha and he says, okay, I've got presents I want to give you. Money, clothing, let me give it to you. And Elisha would take none of it. But after Naaman left, his servant Gehazi went after Naaman and said, uh, you know what, right after you left, 
we had some people come to us who were in need, and we could really use that stuff. He lied, and he would pay the penalty for his lying. We have Peter, the apostle. I don't know the man. I'm not one of his followers. He was put into a situation where he was uncomfortable, and so he lied. And then in the early church, we have in Acts 5 the the story of Ananias. He and his wife, Sapphira, sold a, a, a piece of land and then came before the apostles and said, we are giving all the money we got from selling our land but he was lying. They hadn't given it all. They just wanted a claim for saying they gave it all. The sin was not in not giving it all. The sin was in lying because it's a breaking of this command that we're considering this morning. Now, I've taken a a little time to walk through all of these different scenarios But the one thing they all have in common is rather than trusting God by telling the truth, they chose to lie because they didn't think that God was big enough to get them through. And we run into the same things in our situations. We we are forced to make split decisions sometimes. And there's times that we lie, we bear false witness, rather than telling the truth. Well, let's get some guidance from the New Testament. I'm going to have to move very quickly here, so stay with me, okay? We're going to do the rest of the message in machine gun style. (laughs) All right, guidance from the New Testament. Lying is from the devil. John 8, you're of the Father, you're the devil, and your will is to do your Father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks of his own character, for he is a liar and a father of lies. Lying comes from Satan. Two, lying originates in the heart. As with many other sins, Matthew 15, 19, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. Lying originates in our heart and then is shown in our action. The truth needs to be spoken, but it needs to be spoken in love. Ephesians 4, 15. Rather, speaking the truth in love. There's a balance between truth and love. We speak the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Now, why is telling the truth so important? Number one, it's God's character. In Numbers 23, verse 19, God is not a man that he should lie and it goes on to talk about God, that he's truthful. Titus 1, 2. In the hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, 
That's our God. It is God's character. Second, not telling the truth hurts others. In James chapter 3 and verses 5 and 6, it talks about the tongue and what damage the tongue can do. Remember, as we've been studying these Ten Commandments, we said all ten of them can be summed up in two. Love the Lord your God with all your being and love your neighbor as yourself. Not being truthful hurts others. Why else is it so important? Justice can only occur when the truth is known. You cannot have justice minus the truth. And then, lastly, it is through the truth that we are saved. John 14, 6. Jesus said, very clearly, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. See, the Ten Commandments are given to us to show us that we are sinners. My guess is every one of us at some point in our life have lied about something. The Word of God convicts you're a sinner. But Jesus, the truth, came so that whoever will believe in him might be saved. Aren't you thankful for that? And if you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the one who is the truth, who will never lie to you, who will never mislead you, invite you to put your faith and trust in Him so that all those lies in the past that you've told can be underneath the blood of Jesus, forgiven and forgotten. That's how great our God is. So if you don't know Jesus as Savior, I don't know what's holding you back. Put your trust in the truth. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Father, it convicts us. It calls us to a higher standard. It calls us to holiness. And I pray, pray, Father, that you would help us, that we might be those who speak the truth reflecting your character. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.